TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. Marcus Pierce here with you and as always, it gives me great pleasure to bring on the country's premier wellness expert. He's the chiropractor extraordinaire, the best naturopath in town. He is a man that I truly love making memories with. He is the man, the target of a bromance that will never end. He is the great Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. <laughs> Hello, legend. Oh, I just love the cream cheese. It, it just it keeps on getting better and better. I love your intros. I could actually, if I was to cut all of our podcasts down, take the highlights out, for me, it'd just be the intros. I'd just pick all the intros, oh. stitch them all together and just play it. I, cause it I've got an idea. Brian's my day. If, if you Hello, die Izzy. before me, which is yeah. unlikely, but if you die before me, yes. um, I will cut up all of our episode intros. Yes. And if I potentially die between you dying and the funeral, yes. my eulogy, if I get to do a eulogy for you, will just be my introductions. Uh, <laughs> and that will just show best. that you're a dead set legend. And That'll be the best. That's and you're the most excited bloke on the planet. It'd be unbelievable. I'm so excited today because uh, the, the last few weeks I've, I've been losing my memory. I don't know what it is. But I, Are I you serious? I, you're yeah, not just saying like, that because of our guest today. No. like Stuff's been happening and I've been literally struggling to find the word. or the And so I'll be just talking and then I'll just drift off. I'm having like seniors moments. Anyway, so oh. I want to make sure that it's not true and... Anyway, we could be oh, this doing a better person. Come at the perfect time. So this good. Come at the perfect time. I know. Thank you, Emma and Carla. Yes, big shout out to the. Uh, we're loving our shout outs, aren't we? Big shout out to the Merrymaker Sisters, Emma and Carla Pappas, <laughs> for introducing us to our guest today. When we finish with David Norris today, Damo, we must do another couple of shout outs. Okay. To some listeners who may not be listening, our our brand new segment, which I just love. <laughs> 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 but on the serious stuff, because this has come at the perfect time, particularly for Damien and potentially for you, our listener. Today, we are chatting with David Norris, who is an occupational therapist with over 20 years of experience working with people with severe memory loss. He has witnessed firsthand the devastation that memory loss has on people's lives, their families and communities. We're chatting with David about how we can... Stop avoidable memory loss through lifestyle factors, which there are nine key steps so that we can avoid the terrible consequences of poor brain health. David, it is a very warm welcome to 100 Not Out. Thanks for joining us. Wow. What a beautiful place to be having a conversation today. And thank you very much for the invitation, guys. I'm very chuffed to be here. And just to back you up, thank you very much, Emma and Carla, for making the connections for us today. Yeah, they are connectors. They're great. They're unbelievable. It's it is a great pleasure to have you on, David, and um, we appreciate your time. And uh, and you know we're interested to know more about what it is that you do. So why don't we start with uh, you telling us about your story? How did you get to be here? You know, was it some bolt of lightning, an epiphany, or did you have some kind of slow, gradual awakening that kind of made you realise that you wanted to help stop avoidable memory loss? Well, I was waxing lyrically the other day with a friend of mine uh, about a paper I wrote in 2004, and it was called Dynamic System Theory and Human Cognition. Sounds fairly deep, but at the time, it really probably emphasizes that I was fascinated how the brain worked at a very early stage in my career. Um, Fast forward many, many years, so that was from 2003. And many years later, um, I've got my private practice. I work with clients that have got 
commonly very severe neurological conditions. And about six, seven years ago, it just, it was one of those build-up moments, I think, Dana, and you'd appreciate working in practice. You get to work with some wonderful folk and families. And for me, I was often called when the stuff is really going wrong to help try and put life together. Yeah. And for this one client, he was a professor in his day, and he'd come to me with very advanced memory loss and other cognitive changes. And he was no longer that beautiful, well-known professor and performing that level and looking through his back catalogue of decisions and things that happened in his life. It was almost like the cookie crumb trail was leading up to this moment. Mm. And I just thought, we've got to get in front of this. There were so many opportunities that this poor chap had in his life but perhaps didn't have the knowledge, didn't have that person in his life to reveal those things to him and say, hey, we could make some corrective actions here. And so I just thought, would anyone be interested in hearing about how to take care of the noggin so they could stay sharp for life? And I reached out to a community and said, I'm, in, I'm thinking of running a program. Would your audience be interested? And I said, look, I think I could work with 50 folk in a room, just thinking that's how many folk I could handle um, in this conversation. And lo and behold, 200 people turned up. Oh. So I was sort of overwhelmed, but it confirmed to me my intent, which was how can we stop this potentially avoidable destiny? And the avoidable is the key term is that the Lancet came out a couple of years, a large British medical journal and showed us that very clearly through very, very simple stuff, we could reduce our lifetime risk by 35%. That's one in three people dodging that bullet. One in three. Amazing. There's, there's a lot there's a lot i just love i love a good story and i and love, I love your awakening <laughs> and i love the excitement uh, there was a point there right at the very end there that david's all of a sudden got excited again and i like i was like that's it, here we are this is it this is where we're heading i love it there was excitement you, you know that moment when you're doing an interview and you could just about begin a one-hour conversation i reckon i reckon david was just at the tipping point where he was just about to go on the roller coaster yes. of the greatest elongation of the story and 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 in the interest of time, we're going to ask you another question. But these are the stories that we love because this just goes to show how inspired and passionate you are about what you, what you share. But given that this has come at a timely time, and, and I want to get on to Damo in a moment because people love learning through others. And Damo, I reckon we learn through you today and we learn about what you've been experiencing and we get a bit of live consulting going over the air. But Let's define this, David, if you can. Avoidable memory loss. What is it? You've just mentioned that the big word is avoidable. So um, you, can, you can choose whether you define memory loss or avoidable memory loss. Yep. But for the listeners, how would you define it? Well, when we think about all those risk factors that add up to, I guess, tipping the scales one way that is pushing you towards memory loss and for severe conditions like dementia, the things that we don't have control of are one, our age, that as we get older, the risk for memory loss increases. So the older we are, the more likely we are to experience this. However, this is not a fait complete. And the other that's, thing um, is... That's 10 push-ups, David. 
I, I just, I, I just went. <laughs> Maybe twenty. <laughs> you know, normally this sucker is on silent, but today it isn't. My apologies, folks. That's and there's right. no no a timely reminder that we all forget things. That was so good, Damo. <laughs> <laughs> all good, Damo. Keep on going. It's fine, mate. And well, and I guess the other component that we perhaps have commonly observed is our genetic risk. That if we have some genetic makeup that puts us in a basket for having an increased risk for memory loss, then that's certainly something that's going to add up to increasing your risk for memory loss. But doesn't mean that you're going to end up with memory loss. No, it doesn't. Because there are many other factors that are in your control. Simple things. Protect your hearing. Random as it sounds, if we safeguard our hearing during our lifespan, we are also helping us be in a better position to prevent memory loss. Midlife stress for, is another one. Can, you know, thinking about our experiences of overwhelm, because stress kind of gets lost in that baggage of, oh, I'm not stressed, I'm just feeling a bit overwhelmed. Well, let's put overwhelm in the same basket. That's hilarious. Do people say uh, that? Uh, that I'm stressed or I'm overwhelmed? No, that I'm not stressed, I'm just overwhelmed. Like, do, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, I think really? so. I, I think it's <laughs> that it's, it doesn't affect me, I'm okay, I'm just overwhelmed I'm at the moment. No, just I'm not stressed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can think of a number of folk that just come up with, uh, yeah, I don't feel stressed. And I went, well, okay. Well, and this is a classic one that I find when I'm speaking with folk is I'll do, you know, a bit of a checklist, raise your hands in the room about those people who are feeling stressed. Well, I won't get any, particularly few hands. But if I ask people who are a sense of feeling overwhelmed, I'll get a lot more hands popping up. Mm. Yeah. And that reframing of our awareness to these factors that are in our control helps us potentially avoid memory loss later. Ah, very nice. Yeah, stress is definitely a four-letter word these days and uh, a lot of people don't like to, you know, admit it that they are stressed or they experience stress and it's a, it's a shame because stress I see is a good thing. Um, it's when you get to overwhelm that's actually the bad thing and then when you, you know, move to insomnia, that's obviously clearly worse and so on and so forth. So every time you graduate through those levels of stress, stress for me is where you care but maybe some people care too much. I, I have noticed of late, maybe it's because I'm not allowed to play golf at the moment, David, um, and I'm not getting out and exercising as much. Well, I am. I'm still walking six or seven k's a day. Um, I'm, you know, you don't having, get to hit a golf ball every 200 meters. Yeah, and I, I, I think I'm actually going to get golf balls printed with the face of our premier on it because I reckon <laughs> I, as soon as I get back out, I'm going to smack those golf balls so hard. But I, um, I'm finding that my I'm getting agitated, but I'm also finding that. I'm just losing words. Like I'm, I'm not. Like I want to say a word, and I and I was on track to say it, and all of a sudden it just disappears. Is this a warning sign for me? Should I be concerned about something like that? I think we could certainly think about it, these changes in our mental performance on a continuum. And for you to do a pen and paper test, Amo, which would be the classic, you know, GP pulls out the top of his drawer. Look, Damon, I just want to see how your memory's going. It wouldn't be sensitive enough to pick up these changes. You're experiencing these changes, and I think that's perhaps the really powerful one, and we'd often refer to that as subjective cognitive change. Mm -hmm. That is, I perceive this change. Mm -hmm. And you could equally put terms like, I feel like I've got a foggy brain. I've mm -hmm. got a fuzzy brain. I'm emotionally a little bit more up and down. I'm not feeling as sharp as I used to be. Mm -hmm. Or I'm finding word, 
you know, finding difficulties. I'm having difficulties finding words just like I did then. All these things can be little things, you know, that are, uh, are okay. But I guess when they're more persistent, more frequent and reoccurring, they're really the things that we need to be paying attention to. And is this the canary in the coal mine? I'd say, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's the canary in the coal mine saying, hey, let's start to pay attention to this. Let's do a quick audit of where I'm at. What am I doing? And you're quick to point out that, hey, yeah, my routine's been completely disrupted. I haven't got beautiful nurturing relationships with my friends in the way that they were. Mm-hmm. I can't go outside and connect and do the things that really are important for me. And my stress release or my, my focus point is around playing golf. It brings me to a singular attention. I'm focusing on a ball. I get a sense of movement. I may be doing it with my mates and I'm having that sort of, I guess, feel good social connections, which is also very important, greased the wheel of our well-being. Oh, he so, just said grease. He just said grease. We may not be able to get the grease either. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're going to make me cry, David. But uh, no, but I understand exactly what you're saying and that's very relevant, very real. And I don't think I'd be alone in that. I think that there'd be a lot of people that might be experiencing this kind of thing at the moment. The thing that um, probably heightens a level of anxiety or just alarm bells there is the canary in, in, the, in this equation, you know, like talking about the canary. Like... Th- Sometimes you have these things and you go, oh, my gosh, is this a canary or can I just continue to ignore it? So if somebody else is experiencing this, let's say a friend of mine is experiencing this, um, is it advisable for this friend of mine to go and speak to somebody else? I think, you know, when anything like this conversation happens, I guess I want to temper this with let's not have a fear response yeah. to this. Good. Let's Let's look at this from a an empowerment opportunity, a self-awareness, a growth opportunity. And to figure out and observe myself that, hey, I'm not feeling a sharp, you know, for myself. I, I've had these same moments in my life over the last several weeks. The disruption in my physical routine, my eating habits have changed, my sleep routines have changed. And yes, anxiety is starting to present. And these are the things that are going to be popping up. Now, it just means that we need to be more focused on what are the things I can change? What are the things that I can start to bring back into my wheelhouse of doing on a regular basis? And it doesn't need to be 20 things. It could just start with one thing. So if we take your friend and, you know, if your friends as an example, if anxiety is the the dominant experience, it may be really important for that friend to connect with somebody to help them observe that, get some tools, work on it. And then the next step might be, how's my diet? Am I eating in a way that is actually supporting my cognitive fitness? Next step after that, how's my exercise and physical routine? Am I glued to this chair more frequently than I'd like so I conduct all these Zoom conference calls with my workmates or am I getting up and finding um, opportunistic moments for movement? So I think you just hit the nail on the head when you were talking about Damien's uh, love of golf. You know, I'm writing down that it's it's great for movement. It's great for focus. It's a great relaxation release. It's great for socialising, which a lot of those boxes um, are harder to tick at the moment based on preferences. So if we use Damo as an example, his preference for moving and socialising is, uh, for want of a better term, illegal at the moment. So does it also mean that, whilst you could go to the doctor and go, these are all the things that I'm feeling, a smart doctor might go, well, this is not your normal everyday lifestyle. So let's not judge too quickly because uh, when the world goes back to normal, whenever that is, 
when a normal, I mean, this is just me listening to this conversation here. When the world goes back to normal, um, Damo's, a large chunk of Damo's lifestyle changes, which means a large chunk of Damo's physiology and neurology changes as well. Is that a fair comment? That's a fair comment. Now, I think, Marcus, too, to add here, if somebody is feeling in a space right now that they are, their routine is so disrupted that they can't function, that it's difficult to perform the daily routine, be it sustain their concentration with work, perform daily habits around their personal hygiene, finding their mood is through the floor. These are real indicators then to seek professional help and to go about and do that. To take a step back from that, to say I'm feeling a little bit more agitated, I'm feeling a little bit flat as a context, as giving us a bit of a state of play about this is one space, but there's another space here which is a real disruptor to our, our real you know, functional performance. I think we've got some things we could be starting to do now in our routine and in our environments. And yes, things will change over time. But don't wait. Don't wait for the doors to be open. There's an opportunity right now in our homes. It just takes us a moment to start to reframe. How can I do this? Yeah, very nice. David, you talk about nine actions we can take to be memory health smart. Um, yeah. Can you outline some of them for us? And maybe you've already done that just in a conversation. Um, but maybe if you could maybe highlight those nine things that, yeah, you sure. know, that we could do. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe what's most important if there is a, you know, a scale? The important ones, I think if we could take some that are really easy to connect with, food. I'll start with food. Food matters for our brain matters. It matters for our grey matter. It matters for our noggin performance. It it. really is the ingredients to help put the building blocks together so that we've got all the essential ingredients available for us to perform at our best. And it doesn't need to be complicated. If it's just whole foods, things that are close to the natural source as possible, less processed, um, reduce your sugars, you know, the, the refined sugar intake, think beautiful leafy greens, rich, colourful nutrients, eat the rainbow. Wonderful place to start. And sometimes folk will go, wow, which one am I going to do? Just start with one area, introduce something or take it away. It might be as simple as that, but to layer in top of that over time, increase your comfort, expose yourself to new things. But eating well is, or eating sort of that whole food starting point would be a great place to start giving your body the, the Lego blocks, so to speak, to put it together. Uh, move, movement matters. Starting to raise our heart rate. You know, if we can raise our heart rate to a sense of effort, and that may be as simple as doing some star jumps or some burpees in your living room or follow along with whoever's doing the, you know, the latest functional movement routine on YouTube, you could follow somebody and get that work effort. And that raising that heart rate for around 20 to 25 minutes is going to be another place. Why? Because it's putting, think of it like the miracle grow. It's just putting all that dynamic lifter on the brain, the fertilizer, to help create growth for new neurons. The next part would be how do we then challenge our brain? Are we doing things in a new and novel way? And it may be as simple as learning a new skill at home or having to figure out technology that you haven't used to, you know, been used to previously. Making sure that you're sleeping well and having good sleep hygiene. That hygiene statement is around putting things in place that don't get in the way of your routine at night. Dimming the lights, getting the mind and body ready for sleep, not having caffeine after midday, watching out for eating, you know, about two hours before bedtime. 
make the bedroom screen time free. Simple things that could start to put you in a better place to have a more nourishing sleep. Uh, you know, and we've mentioned to before having a calm mind. Now, I think when we come to stress, it's also nice just to map out what are some of the factors. And I think exercise, eating well and sleeping well are going to get you out of the gates in a really good way to getting a handle on that sense of stress and overwhelm. But there are particular practices that you could go down, but there is a whole myriad of them. You know, recently I mapped out 29 different contemplative practices people could do, but there's a whole world out there that you could explore. It's, it's almost a, a buffet of opportunities around what you could explore. But start with one. Stick with it for a little bit. If it doesn't connect with you, move to something else. I've got a two-part question here for you, David. Um, you say start with one. Well, when Damien and I started 100 Not Out, I was a raging vegan and Damien was uh, and still is a raging omnivore. And now we've both joined forces. I'm no longer a vegan. And we are still looking for a 100-year-old vegan that has been vegan since birth and we still haven't found one. So without sounding cheeky and whilst putting you on the spot, does veganism help or hinder memory health? I think there's a risk for um, being a vegan and the risk is you lack your vitamin B groups and you're particularly exposed in that area. And so people may need to think about supplementation to offset that. Um, are we designed genetically? Is your gut biome ready for just a pure plant-based diet? I think these are big questions that are being asked in a very large research um, frame across the globe at the moment, particularly as they start to map out things like psychobiotics, which is the, gut, the bugs in our tummy that are connected to our mood. And they seem to respond to certain food items and they've all appeared to have a, a really interesting and fascinating relationship. Now, it's such a complex picture to say, does one diet work over the, of the other? This is where we get into the neighborhood, I guess, of personalized medicine. And does one diet work for me? Overall, is it helpful? I'm, I guess the jury's probably leaning towards that an omnivore diet where you've got meat as a condiment rather than as a main source is probably a really powerful and, and helpful way. However, if you've got certain issues in your, in your um, makeup, be it genetically or you've had some insults to your stomach in the past, then you might find that having meat is not something that's going to work out well for you at the moment. But at this stage, I guess my observation of looking at those lifestyle factors is that having meat as a condiment but having all that beautiful plant-based richness around it is the way to go. And that lines up, I guess, with the Mediterranean diet and the mind diet as well, which has got a lot of research behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's nice. You kind of link a whole lot of things in there. And we had a lot of questions about that, you know, like from gut health to, you know, is it going to impact on brain function and memory loss and all those. So I'm glad that you tied all that in there. Um, there's different types of memory loss. And I suppose I'd just like to maybe understand this a bit better. Uh, because my grandfather, and I'm just, you know, and I've spoken about my grandfather a number of times on the podcast, he had a great memory and was telling stories of the war and fine detail, and then he had a slip and a fall, uh, he banged his head, and then he had rapid um, onset dementia, dementia from there and then died maybe nine months, maybe, yeah, nine or ten months later as a result of that. Now, he didn't break anything, but he's banged his head. Now, my grandmother, um, not 
on my on the same side on my dad's side she had um alzheimer's late onset kind of alzheimer's but it happened very very quickly and so there's this family thing there but they appear to be both very very different types of memory loss then of course i'm forgetting a few things here and there so there's there's obviously different types um is one going to lead to the next or what do we need to be aware of in that regard I think um, if I went back to your grandfather uh, and his experience of the fall and uh, the cognitive changes post-fall, there is a, a great geriatrician that uh, I worked with some years ago here in Brisbane, and he often explained it that the beautiful brain will bumble along and have all this gorgeous capacity to do what it does and to help you live the way that you want to live, but there'll be a ceiling of which it crosses a threshold almost where it bounces underneath that. And sometimes it returns, but, you know, sometimes it can progress further down. And I guess things that can contribute to that are people's pre-morbid experiences of health, you know, if there was any vascular issues in the background. And that whole footprint of what's happening in people's health and well-being prior to that event can set them up for a positive recovery or one that's going to be more challenging. And that is different to say, for example, somebody who's experienced uh, late onset uh, Alzheimer's type dementia, where there is a language and a working memory change and things deteriorate quite quickly. It's almost like a waterfall. Things keep cascading and cascading. And the, how rapid that is can be mapped out potentially by looking at all those factors that are impacting that person's life. Has there been a change in environment, diet, stresses? pre-morbid experience, what's happened with that person throughout their lifespan, what are the health conditions that they experience? And those things can be further fuel to the fire to help exacerbate that experience. There was a wonderful study years ago um, that probably has been quite seminal in the direction of neuroplasticity and understanding uh, of the role of building up our cognitive reserve. Think of it like a bank account. The more that we're exposing ourselves, and this is, is one of the points, Marcus, uh, that I often talk to folk about, is how you're building up the brain bank account, those skills, challenging our brain in a regular way so that we've got that resilience in order to meet the insults that life is going to put on our brains so that we can thrive for life. Now, this particular study was called the NUN study. And this guy, the research team, followed these group of nuns and they were kind enough to give their brains to the science when they passed away. They observed these nuns in, after they passed away and they had a look at under the hood, so to speak. They looked at those brains and there was a good group of these nuns that had wonderful, gorgeous brains. And, of course, it made sense. They, these nuns were thriving in life, beautiful, no problems. Then there was a group of nuns when they had a look under the hood, had a look at these brains, there was more holes than Swiss cheese. It was very much like somebody who presented with dementia. And, of course, this made sense. Their behaviour throughout their life particularly at the end of their life, demonstrated that loss of function, the increased dependence on others to be able to do things. And then there was a third group. And there's this story about Sister Mary. And Sister Mary was a university lecturer and she was teaching people up into 80s. And she lived till I think around 94, 95 years. And she was claimed and quoted to say to a GP that, the GP was keeping away from God. And the GP said, no, Sister Mary, it is your will and your commitment. And it was this sort of desire to continually challenge herself that was attributed to her brain bank account. Because when they looked at her brain, 
it looked like somebody who was living with dementia. It looked like somebody's brain had dementia. Yet for this lady, she demonstrated no functional signs of experiencing dementia. How could that be? You've got a brain that looks like somebody living with dementia, yet she was functionally independent. So the observation here was the variable that was different. And this is the wonderful thing about the nun study, is that these nuns lived the same way, they ate the same thing, they commonly exercised the same thing, and they did very similar behaviour. So all these things were controlled for. The only thing that was different was this particular group, when observed, were desiring and challenging themselves on a very regular basis. They had a growth mindset, you could say. And that was related and associated with this sort of concept, which is now going greater credibility around the theory of cognitive reserve. Gee, I love that. That's almost like a fable, the way you told that. I just thought that was uh, fan- I couldn't re- remember if that was a joke or a fable or a true study, but it was all <laughs> three nuns walking into a bar. I wasn't sure if that was, you know, where we go with that. <laughs> but it was great. David, I've thoroughly enjoyed listening to you today. I think you've got a very calm voice, and but your knowledge is, well, I think we've not even touched the surface of it. And if it's okay with you, and we've got to, we've got to finish this podcast today because otherwise we'll go on forever. Um, if it's okay with you, I'd love to have you back on um, if, if that's okay at some point. Would you be able to do that? I would love to have a conversation with you guys, and I promise I will have that mobile phone off. <laughs> no, no, it's entertainment. 50 push-ups live on the podcast. 50 now. 50. Yeah, well, for every 10 minutes that you wait, it goes up by 30. So It's compounding. Um, My goodness. <laughs> i tell you what, David, I've been getting messages from Damo going so good. He is so good. Uh, there's not a word of a lie. He's absolutely loved it, as have I, and I know our listeners have. Now, again, Damien said we've just scratched the surface. You go a lot deeper uh, because you have your own podcast. Uh, memory health made easy can you share with the listeners what it's all about without sounding captain obvious yes <laughs> basically it's a show i'm on a mission to help as many folk as possible to have a beautiful brain for life and on that show i've got some wonderful experts across the globe who have contributed to the conversation about simple things people can do on a regular basis that really puts the i guess more in the brain bank account you learn how to to do the things in your life that are going to add up to reducing your risk for avoidable memory loss. And I guess at the end of the day, I want people to be memory health warriors, fierce for life, abundant energy and playing it all out. And look, sharing it with others. You know, if, if I can help one person and they share it with another person, we're going to have a wonderful impact on this world. And so if I can help as many people as possible, awesome. Come across to memoryhealthmadeeasy.com. There's a podcast list there and I'd love to continue the conversation with your uh, wonderful audience. Absolutely. You've been fantastic. And folks, when you go to David's website, memoryhealthmadeeasy.com, you'll also get that checklist of the nine steps you can take to improve your memory health. Damo, as always, thank you for your great questions, your wisdom, uh, your knowledge, and thanks for being vulnerable, mate, to share. Uh, No no worries. Oh, you know me. I wear my heart on my sleeve and I'm very real. Um, I've subscribed to that little podcast. I'm looking forward to it. It's got five five star ratings, so you're off to a flyer. Good work there. And uh, we all, yeah, that's a very good call. Actually, everyone, get on and give Memory Health Made Easy five star ratings. And whilst you're giving ratings out, yeah. give some ratings to yeah. uh, 100 send, not out. You send know, some, some, send some out. So way. many one and two star ratings. I don't know why people hate our podcast so much. I mean, do just, they? Have they? Oh, they say we swear all the time. There's no jokes. Our jokes aren't funny. If we do try to joke, we don't know what we're talking about. Out, uh, we don't like each other. 
you know, they just want a bit more chemistry. They want a bit more knowledge, awareness. It's off the charts. Mate, um, you had me freaking out there. I actually checked it. We have 81 ratings and we're rated five stars. So I was thinking, what the heck? Like, how do you get two? I, got anyway. I got him. I got him. Um, now tell me, who do we give a shout out to, to someone that may or may not be listening? Have you got someone up your sleeve that, that may not be listening? Because you like to pay them out. Well, there's been a lot of feedback because the people that I have paid out uh, on over the last few times have all still been listening, which is really good. So uh, thanks for still listening. Have you got someone up your sleeve, Piercy? I was more thinking of uh, someone that you mentioned the other week that you didn't actually give a shout out to. You just said that they'd moved. Uh, And they have been to our 100 Not Out um, day events in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was Tim Urell. Oh, yeah, he definitely does. Who used to play golf no way so, Timbo listens. Yeah. Got any disparaging comments about Tim that he'll never hear? Tim, your legs are way too uh, shiny. You need to grow some hair back on your legs. I think that's important. Um, Mel's heaps better than you, and you should um, mow your grass. I don't know. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what he says. He won't oh, even hear it. Good. We'll see what happens. Oh, this is the best. This is the best. <laughs> All right. Um, for more on The Great Man, go to damienchristoff.com, myself, marcuspierce.com.au. Uh, thank you to all of our listeners for subscribing to the podcast, giving it a five-star rating. Share the podcast with your friends and family. Open up a whole new world. When you share with your tribe how to listen to the podcast, it will change their life. Thank you to Joseph Tomo, our editor, and to Cielo, who does all the social media. And until next week, folks, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.